Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. I'm Bob Kaler, one of the hosts here of the podcast, and we've been off for a couple of weeks. You might have noticed we've gotten out of our regular rhythm of publishing every two weeks, and that's because I've been traveling, had a retreat week, and then spent some time in retreat at Asbury Seminary, where I'm an alumnus, and then went to the New Room Conference, which is a conference that I never miss it was this year held in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and it was great to be back after a year off from COVID. There were more than 2,000 people at the conference. For me, that is my annual conference. I enjoy the worship. I enjoy the speakers. I enjoy seeing old friends. I saw a number of you there at New Room. Many of you came up and told us how much you appreciate the podcast. We're so glad that we can provide this for you. And so, as I was at New Room, I thought it'd be a great opportunity for me to do some interviews with some folks who we may not normally get to hear. It's great to be in person with people again. And one of those interviews I was able to conduct was kind of an impromptu interview in the hallway with three young clergy. And I thought it'd be great for you all to hear from some of our seminary students and some of our folks who are younger in ministry about their hopes and dreams for the WCA and what they're looking forward to in the global Methodist church. So we're going to do this episode, a kind of a short episode from New Room. We're calling them the Live from New Room episodes, even though I recorded them there. And you'll notice because I recorded them live, uh, the audio sometimes gets a little wonky in the midst of it uh, because we were standing up doing this in the hallway. But I want you to listen to these three young clergy and their energy and hopes and dreams around what God is doing for a new season of Methodism and how they're going to be part of it. So give this a listen. All right, everyone, I'm here in the hallway at the New Room Conference at the World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I've got three young uh, seminary students slash clergy here who are um, part of the WCA, and we're talking a little bit about um, kind of uh, what what attracts you to this movement, and also what are you hoping for out of this movement. So I want you to kind of introduce yourselves, where you're, who, what your name is, where you're from, and so so we can let people know uh, kind of who's who's speaking. So we'll st- Samantha, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm Samantha Corbin, and I am serving in Western Pennsylvania. Great. Back home. Another Western Pennsylvania connection. Yeah. I'm Hunter Bethay. I'm a student at Asbury, and I am originally from the Alabama West Florida Conference. Okay. I'm Ben Hebner, and I'm from the Central Texas Conference, and I'm uh, serving quarter time at a church, and I'm also a full-time seminary student in Wilmore. So one of the things we hear all the time um, is that, you know, younger generations are, are not going in a more uh, traditional direction, theologically and things like that, you guys buck the trend. So, so what brings you to that place? And and I'm, I know all of you are kind of Asbury connected. And um, uh, what, what's it what's it look like uh, for you to be part of part of this movement? Anybody? Uh, I think for me, it has to do with a lot of the people that I've known. So um, a lot of the mentors that I've had, people that have poured into my life, um, and the theology that I've heard from them, the theology I've heard from a lot of different places. Um, Being at Asbury, a lot of it also comes out of 
being at Asbury and the things that I've heard there. I did my undergraduate in world religions from Texas Wesleyan University, and I learned why I wasn't Buddhist and Hindu and anything else. The things that I liked about those religions, the things that I think maybe are, you know, I disagree with. Um, and then as I've kind of gotten to dive into orthodoxy and historic Christian orthodoxy, I've loved it. And it's just been something that I think has uh, opened up the pathway to God. And I think that, I think that it's loving. I think that it's loving in, in the best possible sense. Yeah, I think I'll echo a lot of what uh, Ben said. Um, growing up, I grew up in a um, United Methodist church that believed uh, traditional orthodoxy. And um, as I was going to seminary, I started um, looking into into where where I fell. And, and I just find that um, the Bible aligns with what our church um, has, has held to over the past couple thousand years um, and, and so when thinking about you know where within traditional orthodoxy do I see kind of my group of uh, people a mentor told me you know listen listen to people and see the tone of their voice and the way that they are um, speaking to each other and about others um, and I've just seen through the WCA through um, many of the the women and men that are in leadership there um, a tone of support um, and a tone of love and encouragement Samantha, how about you? Um, as a graduate of both sides of the Asbury Street, um, I'm grateful for the theological underpinnings, um, but trying to work through, like, having the chance to differentiate between biblical literacism, liter, literalism, um, and and a more robust, like, understanding the original first century context for the New Testament, um, and of course being forced to face a lot of those like, you're a female in ministry like yes i am like paul might have said be quiet but he also kept pushing those voices forwards and how important that is um and grateful for i know it is a worry for some folks what role are women going to have in the new church or the new denomination but grateful for the women in leadership um, and also for the men in leadership that are raising up our voices and and continuing that biblical trend of the equality of male and female, both created in the image of God. It's great stuff. I I wonder about as a as an older person, <laughs> relatively speaking, um, what it's like. I mean, when you when you look at your your peer groups, you you look at people around your age, and you look at look at culture. Um, th there's a significant contrast to, to where you've put yourselves as opposed to, or where God has put you, I, I might say even better, as opposed to where the culture, so what, are, so what are some of the biggest issues that you see out there for people of your generation that, that the church is going to need to address as we go, we go forward? I'll throw that open to anybody. Um, I've and I can't tell you even who I've been listening to, um, but the importance of this conversation around identity um, and that our generation being set free from this sort of idea of an absolute truth and now everyone has their own truth and, and in that trying to find, well, who am I if I can make up who I am? Um, and so addressing what does it mean to be made in the image of God and loved by God and made perfect, right? Like we were made, with intentionality 
um, and that it's not faults and it's not failings and it's, you know, God didn't curse us with our physical disabilities or our physical abilities, um, but that we were made perfect in the way that he designed for each of us to be. Um, and what, is, what does it mean to live into that and to have a rock solid foundation of truth in who we are? Yeah. I think um, we, we live in a, a culture that, um, you know, I think in sometimes in healthy and sometimes in unhealthy ways lifts up voices um, of everyone. And so I think what uh, I, I'm a millennial. And so what my generation needs, what Gen Z needs is um, we need spaces in churches to be heard and um, to be in conversation and in relationship with people. And so um, I was incredibly blessed in uh, a church that um, affirmed my call to ministry at a very young age, um, went as, as far as being crazy enough to, to give me the pulpit um, on, on a couple occasions to preach and to um, build that gift. And as, as those pursuing clergy and, and Samantha as a clergy, um, you know, we, we come from the church. We don't uh, come from outside the church to then minister to the church, but we start in a church. And so I think um, churches that are going to uh, see gifts in uh, people of all generations that are uh, looking at intergenerational ministry, intergenerational friendship, um, whether that's as small as uh, inviting people um, over to their house that are of a different generation or as big as um, giving a young person uh, the pulpit to, to teach um, and, and, and to preach. I think that is uh, the direction that we need to go if we're going to uh, continue reaching the um, millennial and Gen Z and um, other generations. And I think even within um, within our uh, WCA and in our um, hopefully GMC uh, contexts, um, we're the generation that uh, is surrounded by people that um, WCA and GMC is hoping to reach, um, those that aren't uh, Christians or those that aren't um, traditional uh, orthodoxy or those that are um, outside of a denomination. And so um, I think all leaders um, need to be careful of the words that uh, they speak because oftentimes it's us that are having to uh, kind of go behind to, to our friends and say, hey, I, I know that those words were hurtful um, and, and kind of rebuild the bridges that um, some people that aren't in relationship with uh, those outside of maybe their bubble um, are sometimes burning down. And I would just add, um, I think that, I think they've both hit on this a little bit, but um, I think just to call it out explicitly is individualism. Um, individualism that says that I don't need anybody else, it's my truth, it's my understanding, it's my everything. Um, I think the individualism that comes as a nation, uh, that this nation is better than all others, you know, all others can go away and it doesn't matter, this nation is the only thing that matters. Um, I, you know, we all would vehemently disagree with that, I would hope. Um, and I would also say, I, I personally think the biggest thing that young people want and need are mentors and they need to be discipled. We have a generation of spiritual adults, if they are spiritual adults, who do not reach back and grow up the spiritual children that are behind them. And I was, I was incredibly blessed when I was a, a young kid, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. I had two awesome women in my life who just poured into me, my pastor and my youth pastor, who just poured into me. They, they told me that I was called into ministry. And uh, then I started to have men in my life and other women in my life and just amazing people who have poured into me, who have taught me you know, the, the beauty of orthodoxy, the beauty of the church, uh, the beauty of a church that is, is truly global. Um, and not just in name, 
And so I would just say that that is probably, for me, one of the biggest things is how are we reaching back to the people behind us? And how are even we as young uh, clergy reaching back to the people who are right behind us mm-hmm. and pulling them forward? You know, what can we do to come alongside not only one another, but to start learning to disciple today? Because the people above us, a lot of times have failed to disciple us. And so as you know, we can be discipled, we can't just sit on that until 10, 15, 20 years down the line. We have to start turning around now. David Thomas said something like that in his, his address uh, this afternoon, which I found profound. And so if you're listening to this, I would really encourage you to go find David Thomas's uh, talk to open the New Room Conference, which I thought was powerful. Because he said to those of us who are, let's say, of senior status, that, that we have to give up our dreams of careerism and really focus on mentoring younger generations. And, and that really spoke to me as, as, a, as a pastor who's been in ministry for almost 30 years, that we really have to pour into that more. And, and even to hear you say, you know, we've got to pour into the generation coming behind us, those kids who are in, in high school or just starting college, you know, those, uh, th- those generations are, are going to need, because the faith is always, you know, one generation from extinction. I, I think that might be overblown somehow, because I think the Holy Spirit and the church will tend to persevere regardless of our efforts to screw it up. But, mm-hmm. but, but at any rate, you know, we still need to do that. So I'm, it's exciting to hear you guys speak about that. Now, now when you think about Global Methodist Church, um, Samantha, you're you're already serving a church. So is so is Ben. Um, uh, and uh, what what um, what are your hopes for for this for this movement? And in this interim time, as we're kind of getting ready, and you've been, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with all the task forces and all the stuff that's been going on in the background. What gives you hope and what are you looking forward to? I'm excited for the accountable discipleship. I'm excited for, uh, and I think David Thomas touched on this also, that with COVID, when we shut down, many of us went into our houses and we started to worship with family and with neighbors and bringing that back as the centerpiece of what it means to be discipled and to be accountable to one another to scripture, uh, to what Christ would have for us in our growth and in our development. Um, And so excited to see what that can look like. And I know in an earlier one of these podcasts, you all sort of said, right, like, it's not going to be one size fits all, but we want the principle to be applied and replicated. And I'm excited to hopefully see that work and then also to see the different variations of it as it's contextualized not only you know across the states but across the world yeah um i i think that probably the best thing i've ever had happen in my christian walk is that i got into a band um and there's a group of three guys um who become my best friends that i can tell them everything including what's on my phone at any given time um and so i think that we need that I think for me the thing I'm most excited about is that uh, contrary to what some people may see or think when they only see like their little slice of what the WCA or the GMC is going to look like, uh, it's the intentionality and the focus is on diversity. Um, You know, when we read in Revelation that all nations and tribes and tongues are gathered together to worship God, what I see from the Global Methodist Church is that there's an intentionality to build that in now. 
Um, there's an intentionality of who are on the Transitional Leadership Council, who's on the WCA board, uh, who is leading these task forces and just on the task forces. How are we reaching out to everybody from all over the place? Um, and then how are we intentionally putting voices that would typically be marginalized into places of, of authority, not because we're trying to just have, you know, the one uh, woman standing by herself who's just representing all women ever. No, we want that person there because that person, that woman, that man, that, you know, American, African, whatever, that person has a unique understanding and insight into the nature of God that we as a church are in desperate need of. And we need to not just be, you know, united in name or united in, in just hopes and aspirations, but we need to be global and united. Um, I, again, I think that's a theme that we've been talking about here in New Room some. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll make it unanimous uh, vote for discipleship. Um, I'm incredibly excited for um, us kind of reaching back to our roots um, as uh, Wesleyans of, of discipleship models. Um, and I'll also say I think I'm excited for us as a denomination to uh, look outside of ourselves. I mean, I'm 26 years old. I don't. There hasn't been a moment in my life that I've known of when the UMC hasn't been divided amongst itself. Um, sometimes it's been a little bit more outward, um, and sometimes it's just been uh, much more inward. But um, uh, throughout all the divisions that we've had, we've been so focused on ourselves and on um, trying to, whether uh, out-talk or out-theologize uh, um, those on uh, whatever the other side is. And so um, when we get on a uh, on a similar playing field, um, we can start looking out um, to, to minister um, to those that uh, either haven't heard the gospel or um, have heard the gospel and have, uh, have turned away from it. Um, we get to become much more focused on uh, what Christ calls us to, to go to all nations um, and to, to baptize, to um, disciple, um, and, and to preach the gospel. Those are great answers. And by the way, I did not prompt them to all say discipleship, accountable discipleship, just because I chaired the task force. They are not <laughs> sucking up here at all. I think I think that's sincere, which is really exciting because I think that's where we want to go. Now, of course, there are going to be challenges ahead. So when you look ahead at this, what kind of things are you uh, maybe wondering about, concerned about? Um, what are some of the challenges ahead for us, do you think? So uh, I remember last year uh, in a chapel service at Asbury, uh, Dr. Tennant said something about uh, what, are we, what are we known for? So many Christians are known what they are against, um, and we want to be known for what we're for because we're for Christ. We're, you know, as his book so aptly calls it, we're for the body. We're, we're, all, we're for a number of things, and I think very typically we can allow other people other people, other ideologies, other whatever, to tell us that we're just against. We're against, we're against, we're against. We're negative, we're just, oh my gosh, everything is just burning all around us. No, we're not. We are for a God of abundance, not a God of scarcity. We are for a God that is for people. That's why he sent his son for us. And so I, I want us to just be a people that are for the gospel, people that are for each other, people are for the diversity of the church, for discipleship. You know, just what can we be for? Because everybody else in the world is against something. The Democrats are against something. The Republicans are against something. I, I'm tired of that. I don't want to talk about what we're against. Because when we talk about what we're against, we're, we're so focused on this narrow, tiny little thing 
that I think maybe we're missing the rest of the kingdom of God that is for life abundant. And so I'm really excited for that, but I also know that that's going to be a challenge as we go ahead. Um, and, and then also just helping people understand that we are for love. We are for a, a biblical understanding of love and um, that we don't hate people. And I think that when we get to talk and we get to have honest conversations with people, that that becomes really clear that, my word, we love God and so we love God's people and we want to do everything we can to uh, just love in the best way we can. Um, yeah, I'll echo uh, some of what Ben said. Um, I think we've been so focused on what we're against that we've, um, in many cases, lost our own Wesleyan theology. And so I think there's been a lot of theologies that have uh, come into United Methodist churches, even uh, traditional United Methodist churches, churches that plan to go to the GMC um, that, that aren't Wesleyan. And so I hope that uh, we'll take a good look at who we are um, as Wesleyans, um, in whatever context we're in um, and, and reclaim that um, so that we can um, know what we're preaching about. I absolutely echo what Hunter said about um, finding our Wesleyan theology and our uniqueness in that. So serving and having served rural churches, um, I'm, I'm hearing others voice this concern, right? Will the GMC have enough pastors to support these rural churches? Um, but I'm also struggling personally, like I'm really worried about these rural conservative churches going GMC on a one vote issue. I'm afraid that they're gonna move into the GMC because of our stance on, on marriage and that they're not going to be sold out for the accountable discipleship and the Wesleyan roots. Um, and at the same time, my heart is broken. I've met congregations that have backed away from the GMC conversation because they would rather stay post-separation United Methodist, even being conservative, um, because they're not willing to put in the work to change and to explore what disi accountable discipleship would mean for them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where those churches go and watching them go both directions in the split um, and the pain that's gonna come from them staying or them coming and what it's gonna mean for these churches that have existed for literally hundreds of years um, to change the way church has, in their words, always been done. And I think to add to that as well, I'm worried um, that once the denomination is created that we think the job's done. Um, but we're in a country, at least, um, where where Christianity is rapidly declining and so the the journey just begins once the uh, denomination is created and so I worry that there may be almost an uh, idolatry of this thing that's created that uh, we we love the fact that we're only with like-minded people and that we're only hearing people that agree with us um, and I think uh, one, once we create a denomination where we can actually do the work that we're called to do then the work is let's listen to those outside of uh, our own circles um, so that we can uh, get to know them better. Yeah, and, and I would also say uh, from what Samantha said, I think uh, a challenge, but it, I, I dislike the word challenge, I wanna say opportunity. An opportunity we're gonna face is that we as pastors, especially like Samantha being in a local church, we have to talk to our churches about this. We cannot let this be a one issue thing because this is not a one issue thing. This is a whole host of issues. This is a whole way of viewing the Bible and scripture and God and, and et cetera that 
people just have this one narrow view, but when we can talk to them, when we can have honest conversations, when we can allow people to ask questions and, and just honestly have disagreements in a Christian way with each other and say, we disagree, we can still love one another. Um, but we as pastors can't be scared to have those conversations with our church. I've seen it done really well at my church where we've had a class we called Methodist 101 and then Methodist 2.0. We're planning on having a Methodist 3.0 soon uh, that just goes over all these different things. And so, you know, I would say we have the opportunity to look to other churches and say, how are they preparing their congregations to not just have a vote about whether they're going to leave? That th we don't need the votes. We need the conversations where we can have honest dialogue with one another and we can come together in unity and say, hey, this is where we feel God is calling us as a church. And I think that we're not having those, con we're not having those conversations right now. So people might think it's just a vote or it's just about one issue. And in reality, there's this whole host of other things. I think you're, you're all hitting on something really important, and that is that there's going to be change regardless you're not just going to change the the name on the front of the church and and there's a real drive and and i hear it in your voices you know we want to we want to go back to who we were once um and that predates my lifetime certainly your lifetime but there's there's a there's an idea that we really want to be authentically methodist and that's going to bring change and it's going to bring some pain because it does change the way things have been done for for a really long time, and that's going to be the, the real question, um, so that we don't just create United Methodism 2.0. And anything else you want to add before we before we wrap up? This has been a great conversation. Uh, I would just say I think one of the awesome opportunities we have um, in the life of our founder, John Wesley, is that uh, just because something doesn't go the way you think it should go, or something tends to seems to end in it blowing up and it being on fire and you running from the law in Georgia, that doesn't mean that God's through with you. In fact, sometimes after the worst moment is when God's going to use you for the most ministry. And so um, I, I just would love to say that God's not through with us yet and God's got something better down the horizon. We may not see what it is yet, but I think that's the Christian hope is that God is doing something, God is up to something. And it's not our job to go and introduce God to situations. God's already there. Our job is to go and discern where God is, come alongside of him, and then just get to watch the world change for the better. Yeah. I think of uh, John Wesley's final words, best of all is God is with us. Um, and so I'm just excited to see where God is working right now, um, not just within WCA or GMC, but um, across the world and, uh, and getting to find the opportunities to partner with him. I'm just sort of a really practical note. Um, so grateful for Carolyn Moore and everything she's sharing at the conference. And I'm grateful for, for the women in ministry that are here this week. Um, I'm longing for the day, and I know it's coming, uh, when people won't look at me and, and think that I'm crazy because I am a young, female, conservative pastor. And I'm looking for the day that that's, that that's normal and expected and anticipated in our churches. It's a great word. I want to thank all three of you for taking some time here in the hallway as uh, we've just been having some great conversations. It's been a great conference and we look forward to more. And, uh, and, and we wish you all the God's peace and, and, uh, and discernment as you go forward in ministry. And, you know, I, I sort of feel sometimes like Moses climbing to the top of Mount Nebo 
I'm thinking, I'm not going to see it myself, but you all will be leading people across the river, I think, in, in the coming years. And it's exciting to know that it's going to be in good hands. So, so thank you for joining me and, uh, and for this great conversation. Thank you. Well, I hope you caught the energy of that conversation. It's so great to be able to talk to these young clergy who are going to be our leaders coming down the road and to see their solid faith, their connection to our Methodist heritage and roots, but also just their enthusiasm for reaching the world with the gospel. I I get energized every time I go to New Room Conference because I do see so many young faces. And I hope that you, if you're listening to this and you're like me, perhaps a little bit older, maybe in that heading up Mount Nebo phase of your ministry, that you'll consider who you're going to mentor, who you're going to bring on from a previous generation or from a, from a new generation to help them not only explore the, the depth and breadth of the gospel, but also to mentor them into a call to ministry. And it may not be ordained ministry, it may be a lay ministry of some kind, but that we're pouring our lives into others. David Thomas and I refer again to his his address that opened the New Room Conference, which was marvelous. He said, we need a Barnabas generation to come alongside young people. Now's the time for stopping the idea of building our careers. Now's the time for mentoring and training these new generations. And you heard it from these young clergy. Most of them were mentored into their into their ministry lives. We have an awesome opportunity to do that. And if you're a young person and you're listening to this, I hope that you're listening to God's call and that you'll seek out some mentors to help you work through that call and join us as we move into this new expression of Methodism. Well, we'll be back next time with another short episode that I recorded from New Room. I had a chance to sit down with Walter Fenton, the vice president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, for a few minutes chatting about a few updates on things that are going on. You're going to be hearing more about these things in the, in the near future. But for now, I hope that you are sharing the podcast around with people that you know. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts that helps to drive traffic to the site. Let people know about the podcast and pass around the information. There's a lot of great stuff that's coming up and as we look forward to the launch of the Global Methodist Church sometime here in the future. Thank you for joining me for this edition of Holy Conversations. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at WCA Pod. You can email us at podcast at wesleyandcovenant.org. And I look forward to having you back here next time as we continue to do the Lord's work. Bye for now.